Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Surgery is not easy, especially in your brain. (laughs) So I was in the hospital for five days. That was a Friday. I got to leave the hospital on Tuesday. I was home for Tuesday night and Wednesday night. And on Thursday, around lunchtime, I had a stroke. So my stroke is tied to my brain cancer. Nobody will commit to one way or the other. They said there could have been something there all along. We can't answer that question right now. So the question's never truly been answered. As I started climbing the stairs, each step, my right side became heavier and heavier, and I made it all the way to the bed, and I got on the bed, and I actually sent my husband a text message from upstairs and said, can you come up here? Something's weird. And he came up, and I said, I can't feel my right side. And that's when 911 was called. I never had pain. I never went out of it. I just became numb on the right side. I've learned afterward from my doctors that there was something they could have given me in the realm of medicine that would have unblocked it. As I was on so many drugs after brain surgery, they could not put something else in there. So they had to just let me get through it. They had to just watch. I could not sleep in the hospital. It was very uncomfortable. It was just uncomfortable. So I was very excited to go home. And the last two days in therapy, they were going through, you know, what's going to be like at home. And I was determined to defy everything that they said. (laughs) We had a three-story house, and our bedroom was on the third floor. I climbed the stairs all the way to the third floor. Hello, I'm Mark Goodyear, and this is Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. There's still a lot that's unknown about stroke and what can lead to them. Up to 40% of ischemic strokes are thought to be cryptogenic, which means they have no clear cause. In this episode, we hear from Ryan Buckholtz from Boston, Massachusetts, who suffered a stroke at the age of 40. Me and my husband, we jumped around a lot in terms of location because we had been in Boston for a very long time. And in 2014, we decided to leave Massachusetts for a little while. And we sold all of our three houses here. We sold them all. And we moved to Las Vegas, Nevada, of all places. (laughs) And we bought a house out there. We lived there for two and a half years. It was a great time. My grandparents were near. So the goal was to spend some more time with my grandparents, which we got to. And then a certain somebody was elected president of this country. We said, if we're going to go back to Massachusetts, the solid blue state, very democratic. And it was just, we came back to Mass just at least for the next four years because we weren't so confident in that president. 
before we came here on my 40th birthday, we were still in uh, Las Vegas, the uh, 40th birthday, I, I heard music in my ears, in my head, I heard something. And it was on my birthday. And I just thought, wow, that's that's amazing. So and I just let it go. And then we packed up and did all the crazy stuff and got back to Massachusetts. And our very dearest friend had was just diagnosed with lung cancer. So we had a bit of a no hurry to buy our next house, more of a hurry to help her because she had a terminal cancer. They told her 12 to 15 months. But we moved back here to help a friend with her with her lung cancer. Unfortunately, about 28 days after we moved back to Massachusetts, I was diagnosed with brain cancer. So there's that. And a fairly significant brain cancer, a fairly large brain cancer. My brain cancer case was taken by my neuro doctor to an international organization because it was so unfamiliar. They, they did not realize that a person could have something so big in their head and have really no issues. Then they heard about my first hearing music in my head, and that was my tumor making itself present. He ended, ends up taking it to China and introduced my file to a number of international doctors, and they talked about it. He ended up pushing back my surgery for a while because he just, he looped in a million people into this situation. I end up having my brain surgery on May 5th, 2017. It went brilliantly. I woke up. It took seven hours for surgery. I woke up probably about 11 hours after that. And it was odd because it did some you know, surgery is not easy, especially in your brain. <laughs> so I was in the hospital for five days. That was a Friday. I got to leave the hospital on Tuesday. I was home for Tuesday night and Wednesday night. And on Thursday, around lunchtime, I had a stroke. So my stroke is tied to my brain cancer. And nobody will commit to one way or the other. They said there could have been something there all along, we can't answer that question right now. So the question's never truly been answered. Ryan continues to have tests to check on his tumor, but all the signs are good. I have graduated to every six months for an MRI. It's called stable. It's just fast asleep in my brain. I have one in three more weeks, and after the next one, I graduate again, and I'm going to be once every year. So I've gone from once a month in 2017 to 2020, I'm going into once a year. So he, they took out about 70% of my tumor. And then they put me on chemotherapy for 12 months, radiation therapy for six weeks. And they seem to have really knocked out all the cancer that's in there for now. I was actually feeling quite well after surgery. Um, I mean, I looked funny. I had lost the vision in one eye. They said it would all come back. But you know, there was some sensitivity in my brain, what was worked on. And so I was one eye, I had a patch on it. But my doctor said, you know, move as much as you can. So I had gone out and just walked my circle and did a little walk, came back in the house, and I had a dinner, a bit of food. And then I said to my husband, I think I need to go back upstairs. I'm just didn't have the energy yet. And so I'm going to go back upstairs and go to bed for, for the night. 
as I started climbing the stairs, each step, my right side became heavier and heavier. And I made it all the way to the bed and I got on the bed and I actually sent my husband a text message and said, can you come up here? Something's weird. And he came up and I said, I can't feel my right side. And that's when 911 was called. I never had pain. I never went out of it. I just became numb on the right side. I've learned afterward from my doctors that there was something they could have given me in the realm of medicine that would have unblocked it. As I was on so many drugs after brain surgery, they could not put something else in there. So they had to just let me get through it. They had to just watch. I was blind in one eye. I was in a wheelchair for those three weeks, four weeks nearly. But every day, for six hours a day, I had to go to speech therapy. I had to go to a group therapy. I had to go to my OT. I had to go to a PT. I worked like a madman every day and was completely exhausted at the end of every day. <laughs> they had me walking on my first day. It took three people, one person to move my feet, one person to hold me up, and one person to push my wheelchair behind me. They were having me walking on day one. After I was in the emergency room after the stroke for five days before I got to go to the, the therapy because they basically had to let the stroke happen and keep an eye on me and see, make sure that the stroke made my beats per minute for my heart was around 160 for four straight days. I was trapped in intensive care unit for five days before they released me and let me go to the rehab hospital. Ryan was desperate to return home after his stroke. I could not sleep in the hospital. It was very uncomfortable. It was just uncomfortable. So I was very excited to go home. And the last two days in therapy, they were going through, you know, what's going to be like at home. And I was determined to defy everything that they said. <laughs> we had a three-story house and our bedroom was on the third floor. I climbed the stairs all the way to the third floor. They said I should sleep on the couch for some amount of time. And I got upstairs and I, I was very glad to be home. I am recovering nicely. I can walk pretty good. I still have a, a lot of weakness in my right arm and I'm a right-handed person. So I've had to switch everything to my left side, which has been challenging, but an unattractive handwriting. I go to some stroke support groups and I'm shocked sometimes at how I feel. When I go to these support groups, I am, I have always been the youngest person there. They tend to be in their 60s and 70s. And what makes it so weird is that they are, I tend to be pretty negative and I'm always trying to be positive about it. I work out every day for hours at a time. I am refusing to give up. I'm thinking that someday I will get my right side back. But the fact that I can walk and I can get around with no problems, I have no support. I just have a really weak right arm. Ryan went through an incredibly tough few months after his cancer diagnosis, and although his stroke came only a few days after his brain surgery, they can't find a clear cause. Still to come on Stroke Stories, Ryan on his ongoing emotional struggle. So I'm, I'm working through mental therapy too to get through some of those issues that are probably deeply rooted, but they've come out with this lack of perfection in my own self because that was a powerful part of who I was before, that I, I worked very hard to be quote-unquote perfect. 
and this kind of bumped me back and it took over some space in my brain. And on the impact the stroke has had on his close friendships. I lost about four really close friends because they truly didn't understand it. They thought that, well, you'll be fixed and you'll be back to normal. Everything will go back to normal was words that I heard and they were words that I could not accept. It's we're moving forward and we're not going backward and they they dropped out of my life. But other people rose to such levels that there was there was truly um there was no gap for me because other people rose to incredible levels for me. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Let's hear how Instagram has helped Ryan in his recovery. It's a saver for me because I see other people doing things and posting about what they did. I hear the good and the bad, and I'm just... I see somebody post something and I get this feeling like, oh my gosh, they, they're experiencing exactly what I'm experiencing. It's not just me. It's gotten that idea out of my head. There was a time where I went through, it's just me, it's just me, it's just me, but it's not. And that interaction with other people, even if they're around the world, somewhere, other countries, other, wherever they're at, I read what they say and they say things that I go, oh my gosh, that is me. So it's tremendously helpful for me. For therapy, there is a doctor, her name is Dr. Tara. She's based in Florida, Orlando, Florida. It's, she's not somebody that I know. She has an active YouTube channel and she posts about every three days and they're incredible ideas of therapy. And I use that daily and I watch a new thing that she does and I try it and I if I can't do it I'll try it again tomorrow and I'll keep on working on it and then I also have my own physical therapist and I have a PT and an OT uh, in real life too here unfortunately it has not been happening because of COVID-19 so I have not been in physical like actual therapy for uh, four months post stroke I have had tremendous amounts of anxiety. I'm on an antidepressant, but it's not for depression, it's for anxiety. So I get anxious going out of the house. So when there was a suddenly a law or a requirement that you should stay in your house, I was all for it. <laughs> and I, I left the house yesterday for the first time in quite a while and I had, as I was driving my car, I had tremendous amounts of anxiety because <laughs> I get very nervous leaving the house. It's the stroke because I'm in therapy, um, mental therapy every week with somebody also because I, I, I have some issues where I don't feel presentable because my walk isn't quite right. My right arm doesn't do what I want it to do. And so I'm, I'm working through mental therapy too to get through some of those issues that are probably deeply rooted, but they've come out with this lack of perfection in my own self. 
because that was a powerful part of who I was before that I, I worked very hard to be quote unquote perfect. <laughs> and this kind of bumped me back and it took over some space in my brain. Ryan received a great deal of emotional support from those closest to him. It's been beyond belief, friends and family. The 28 days I was in the hospital for the stroke, I received, I mean, I have a box. I had to have received 200 cards. I made it very clear to Doug, please, I, I can't interact with people. Anybody could have come to visit. And I said to my husband, I said, no, nobody can come to visit. Turn, turn that off. I just wasn't ready to see anybody because I felt I did not feel good. I didn't feel good about myself. So Doug, my husband, was really great about saying, no physical contact, but be in touch with him. And so people send me cards and flowers and plants every single day. And I cried every single day. At the end of the day, I cried and cried and cried because they were so supportive of me. And my family flew out for my, for my brain surgery. My dad and my grandmother were here for it. Everybody has been tremendously supportive of me. I lost about four really close friends because they truly didn't understand it. They thought that, well, you'll be fixed and you'll be back to normal. Everything will go back to normal was words that I heard. And they were words that I could not accept. It's we're moving forward and we're not going backward. And they, they dropped out of my life. But other people rose to such levels that there was, there was truly, um, there was no gap for me because other people rose to incredible levels for me. Ryan believes the stroke has changed him. I think I have emotionally grown since that. I mean, it's crazy, but I never thought I'd die. I never thought I'd die. I thought I was going to live forever. It was never in my mind, in my thoughts. And now it's in my thoughts and I think about it and it makes me more present here and now than... Before, before I was always present in tomorrow or the next day, but never current. So today I feel much more present in the in the current. In the so that's a new a new Ryan, I think. Ryan pre-stroke, everything was a straight line. It went from low to high, and it was a straight line. And every day was going to be better than the day before. Better, better, better. And then I saw I was given a new graph that was just chaos. It just swirled, and there was uplines and downlines and. It was ultimately up, but there were going to be ups and downs and ups and downs. I think that as hard as it was helped to give me some calmness because it's not, it's not a straight line. It's a little bit of chaos, but it's all getting better. It's just not the straight line. I have up days, I have down days, but ultimately I have more up days now than I had two years ago. I can do a lot more now than I could do two years ago. I think that was of paramount importance for me, was knowing that it's a little bit crazy going up this, 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 this ladder, but it is, you are still going up. And he thinks that humour is important to get through the difficult times. I have a, what I think is a wicked sense of humour, and I have friends that have the same sense of humour, and we've laughed about my stroke and it's been a paramount importance to me to be able to laugh still. And we joke, we have made my stroke somewhat of a joke, which is, 
And I don't mean that negatively. I mean, they've helped me to accept it as just my reality. And, and we've laughed about it and we joke and that has helped me. It has not hurt me at all. It helps me to be a little funny about my reality. And it's been through the help of really good friends. I would suggest to not be sympathetic. There's also an element of moving on and making it, for me at least, there was a sense of making it a little funny and it helped me to move on. Ryan went through invasive brain surgery to remove a cancerous tumour and then suffered a serious stroke not long after. But his recovery is truly remarkable. He insists on staying positive and moving forward with his life and as a result has made great progress. Coming up in the next episode of Stroke Stories. I was in and out throughout the day and I had to wait in hospital from 10 o'clock in the morning until 8 o'clock at night to even have my first scan. I discharged myself so we didn't know it was a stroke. I didn't want to stay in hospital, so I, I, I fought to get out. And then I ended up having a stroke again the next day. I refused to go to the hospital at the time and went to the doctors. And then the doctor says, you really need to be in hospital. Don't forget to subscribe to Stroke Stories and rate and comment on the episodes you hear to help us spread the word. And if you are or you know of a stroke survivor and you have a story to share, please contact us. Our DMs on Twitter or Instagram are open. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. Listening.